0: Blog Talk Radio. welcome to Clear and Convincing, the show that looks at criminal cases from the perspective of the courts, not the court of public opinion. We're Lisa O'Brien, podcasting from New Orleans, Louisiana, where workers have begun preparation for demolition of the Hard Rock Hotel, which partially collapsed on October 12, 2019. Three workers were killed during the collapse, and recovery of two of those workers has been hampered by unstable wreckage. And I'm also here with Michael Carnahan from Little Rock, Arkansas, where celebrity chef Gordon Ramsay had lunch on Monday at Threefold Noodles and Dumpling Company in Little Rock. Ramsay's filming an episode of 24 Hours to and Back at Bear's Den Pizza in Conway. Thank you for joining us for Episode 39, State of Texas versus Rodney Reed. Tonight in Part Two, we'll look at the new claims raised by Reed's advocates in his tenth state post-conviction writ, which led to the stay of execution granted by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals on Friday, November 15th. We'll also be joined in our second hour by Robert Phillips, the attorney for Jimmy Funnel, who reads advocates' claim as the real killer. Mr. Phillips is a criminal defense attorney in Williamson County, Texas, with more than 25 years of experience. He's participated in over 200 jury trials and disposed of more than 3000 felony and misdemeanor criminal cases at the state and federal level. In 1989, he was the first criminal defense lawyer in Williamson County history to be board certified as a specialist in criminal law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Fewer than 10% of all criminal lawyers in Texas are board certified specialists in any field. In 2006, He was named by Thomson Reuters among Texas super lawyers and featured in Texas Monthly Magazine, an honor that's accorded to only 5% of all Texas attorneys. He's also received an A.V. rating by Martindale Hubble, Hubble, a reputable national attorney rating service. As always, we are a live show and calls are welcome. Our phone number is 347-989-1171. And good evening on Wednesday. Michael, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Uh doing these uh shows three nights in a row is gonna is definitely gonna be a little bit of a throwback for me to some of the older days of Talk Radio forty nine when we about had a show every night, but uh <laughs> definitely gonna be a fun night again tonight, uh, as we continue to talk our talk on Rodney Reed. But uh you know, I didn't know that uh old Chef Ramsay was still around. Uh I, I knew that uh I remember seeing the post actually on Facebook. One of my uh buddies actually works at the place where he's filming the um uh, twenty four hours in hell or whatever. One of uh-huh. my buddies actually works at that place. But um Oh. But uh Wow um, Yeah, but um Definitely going to be, you know, definitely cool to see some of that stuff that they're doing. I, Like I said, I didn't even know because of the name of the show's 24 hours. I didn't figure he was still around.
0: Well, they may be, uh, I think Monday they were doing the upgrades. So Tuesday was probably when they shot the reveal of the new restaurant.
1: Right. Okay.
0: So, um, yeah, he that was Monday at lunch.
1: Okay. Okay. So that's pretty.
0: Good. Um that cool. I, when you said still around, I thought you meant still on TV. I'm like, have you not watched Fox at all? Oh good <laughs> Lord, he's all over there.
1: they might as well call it the Shepard Anzi channel. Besides, no wait, Phil's on CBS, so never mind. We can't give old Phil any credit.
0: Yeah. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about very quickly on the dismissal of the civil rights claim by the federal judge. uh, Essentially, the federal judge found that uh, Reed was appealing the state court's handling of the request for DNA testing. And Mm -hmm. in his pleading, he did not plead – in a way that the federal court would have jurisdiction to come in. He basically failed to state a claim upon which relief may be granted. Right. And that just means he was asking the federal court to do something that it could not do because Reed did not qualify for DNA testing under Chapter 64, which is the Texas DNA testing statute. Okay. So uh, that's the long and the short of it. Um, but even in that, it's a 20-page decision of the federal mm-hmm. judge that explains why Reed could not get relief in federal court to get DNA testing. Okay. Um, and that's why I say the most important document for anyone, whether you believe in guilt or innocence, The most important documents to read are the court opinions Mm -hmm. because they cite the evidence, they cite both parties' positions, and then they analyze the facts, the evidence, and the law and explain why they're making the decision that they're making. Right. And so this isn't – again, this isn't just a a court rubber-stamping the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Mm -hmm. It's addressing every claim raised by Reed and and explaining why he's not entitled to relief from federal court. Right.
1: Right. Makes sense. I mean that's what you think would happen.
2: And then then there's one
0: extra extra – there's one extrajudicial claim that I left off the list last night. To address it very quickly, there is a claim that Judge Towsley, and I'm probably pronouncing that name incorrectly, uh, interfered with the defense presenting witnesses for Rodney Reed's alibi or Rodney Reed's uh, relationship with Stacy Stites. Uh-huh. Now, the only person who has made any claim of that actually happening is Chris Aldridge, who we know is a cousin of Rodney Reed. Um, He claimed in an affidavit signed in 2001 or 2002 and submitted with one of Reed's early post-conviction writs that he not only was Reed's alibi that night, but attested to the alleged relationship with Stacey Stites And then claimed that he was in court one day in May and the defense attorneys and prosecutor came out of the judge's office and Reed's defense attorney, who he refers to as a he, so I'm presuming he means Calvin Garvey, told him to go home. They didn't need him. Uh And based on that allegation – they uh Rodney Reed's advocates claimed that the judge would not let Chris Aldridge testify to Rodney Reed's alibi or the relationship with Stacy. However, in the hearings, Garvey and Lydia Clay Jackson each testified and neither one of them was ever asked to corroborate that claim by Chris Aldridge. Right. So we have Chris Aldridge's allegation, but no corroboration from one of the defense attorneys, and it would be legal malpractice. It would be ineffective assistance of counsel for a defense attorney to go to a defense witness and say, we don't need you, go home. Mm-hmm. So um, – and they've never raised a claim of ineffective assistance related to that allegation by Chris Aldridge. Um. There are always going to be times in any criminal trial where a judge is going to have to say a witness cannot testify because uh, their, their testimony would not be admissible for different reasons, hearsay, uh, in violation of motion in limine. I mean there are different reasons, Admission, admissibility, reliability, host of reasons that judges have to decide whether testimony can be admitted or not. Um, Mm -hmm. That is normal. Frankly, I don't think this ever occurred. I don't think Chris Aldridge was there to give an alibi to Rodney Reed. I think the alibi is something that was created as part of his post-conviction claims. Frankly. Mm -hmm. Because... There's no reason they wouldn't have called Chris Aldridge to give that alibi. Okay. And the judge would not have stopped them from doing that. But they want to portray no. it as a corrupt trial. And so they they make claims like this that really don't add up when you look at the big picture.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa, real quick, I want to ask you something while we still have a moment, uh, while we still have a moment for, uh, before we get our guest on, I do want to take a time to um, ask you about this. Have you seen the New York Times article that came out today?
0: No, I have not.
1: Okay, so the uh, article is. Uh, Titled that Rodney Reed received execution, or received his day of execution, and now it shines a light on three specific cases that they're highlighting, Uh, but it says a multitude of other cases that could possibly have uh, executed people awaiting death or have been executed. And the three cases that they bring up is Swearingen, Swearingen? Am I right on that?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Swearing? <laughs> we'll call it? it.
1: That D-bag. Uh, glossip. and there's one that I don't believe we've done yet, and if my computer would like to work, James Milton Daly. Uh, which, okay. Uh, thank you <clears throat> It says that those three – Rodney Reed may pave a way for those three some uh, new statuses to come out. So I was going to ask your uh, opinion on what one has to do with the other, and uh, obviously Swearingen was also in Texas, but Glossop and Daly kind of make no sense how one would deal with the other.
0: Right. Um, Okay, Swearing in, it's over. It's done. He's been executed. He filed his, uh, quote, new evidence to try and prevent the execution date. It was rejected by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal, and by the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. Uh, He's done. There's no – now, unless Innocence Project – the only thing I can think is that Innocence Project is going to try to do something similar to what they did in the Willingham case. They're going to get with Larry Swearingen's family. They're going to file complaints against the Montgomery County District Attorney's Office and try to allege that there was some uh, improprieties in Swearingen's prosecution – that were never raised or raised too late in the game to stop swearing his execution in August. Um, That has nothing to do with Rodney Reed's case because it's prosecuted in a different county by different prosecutors, investigated by a different agency. I don't think Mm -hmm. even the Texas Rangers were involved in swearing it, to my knowledge. That was all Montgomery County. So um,
1: I am then Glossips in
0: Oklahoma, again, mm. has nothing to do – a Texas case, what Texas does has nothing to do with what Oklahoma's going to do.
1: I completely agree, which apparently, according to this article, it's not like Glossop is uh, anywhere close to the death chamber. So the, really the Correct. only one that is close is this James Milton Daly. And we've covered so many cases. We may have talked about him already, and I apologize. My mind is kind of short. But uh, Milton, uh, he looks like he's uh, scheduled right now. He got a stay for – he was supposed to be executed November 7th. He got a stay, and now it looks like he is set to be executed December 30th.
0: Okay, he's in Florida once again. What happens in his case in Florida has nothing to do with what happens in Rodney Reed's case in Texas or Richard Glossop's case. Um, This is one of the things that for me is the most frustrating aspect is that a lot of lay people look at criminal cases as cookie cutter, one size fits all. Right. So, for example, the, the Chain of Rocks bridge murders. Uh, people were up in arms because the Winfrey, the minor white defendant, pled guilty and got 30 years. Reginald Clemens was sentenced to death, and uh, one of the other boys was sentenced to death and I believe executed. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, he was white, so he got 30 years. No, he was a minor. He confessed. He pled guilty. That's why he got 30 years. Clemens and the other three took it to trial. And then one had his death sentence commuted because he was also a minor. Antonio Richardson, I believe it was.
1: Well, and Lisa, I'm not sure. Obviously, uh, this case did uh, quote Mr. Benjit and uh, also Death Penalty Information Center. Um, but according to them, this uh, Daily gentleman, when they say evidence at trial, which I'm not sure if you've looked this one up, but it says no witnesses or physical evidence tied Mr. Daly to the killing. His co defendant, Jack Piercy, told the police that Mr. Daly had committed the murder. Mr. Piercy is serving a life sentence for his role in Shelley's death. In the case against Mr. Daly, it relied heavily on jailhouse informants who said Mr. Daly incriminated himself.
0: Okay. First of all, Innocence Project and Death Penalty Inter- Information Center are not independent, objective. Entities. Right. They are heavily biased against the death penalty, and they are at the forefront of what some like to call the innocence fraud movement. Mhm. Which is, you know, what happened to Al Story Simon, where he was basically shown a video that implicated him in a murder, and he was strong-armed by a private detective to confess to that murder with the promise of all kinds of help and ended up serving 15 years in prison for a murder he didn't commit. Right. To save the killer from the death penalty. Lisa,
1: real quick, I hate to interrupt you. You can continue here in just a second, but I need you to – Check your messages.
0: I'm about to see one
1: right now. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. So, um, and New York Times is not a –
1: I know they can be a little bit – they can be a little bit biased.
0: Correct. And New York Times, basically, they're, they're – <laughs> when Roberta and I talked about this over the weekend for her show, I think the Endisys Project has a PR firm. Right. So the PR firm gets the stories out, and the – um. they circulate it in as many publications as they can nationwide.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean and the New York Times obviously is one of the most uh one of the most popular uh news and news uh organizations, and you know, in the country.
0: One of the most liberal.
1: Both. Right, absolutely. But you know, I I was just expanding upon your point.
0: Right. So okay,
1: well, um Go quick and let you go for a second.
0: Okay. So um, back to Rodney Reed case, we're going to talk tonight about the new claims raised by Rodney Reed, which resulted in the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals granting a stay of execution to remand the claims or some of the claims back to the trial court in Bastrop um, to evaluate them, take testimony, hold hearings whatever briefs whatever needs to be done to develop those claims so rodney reed is getting the due process that uh he is entitled to under the law u.s constitution state post-conviction first of all the claim the first claim is forensic evidence uh the time of death and they have Uh, Opinions from Werner Spitz, Michael Bodden, Leroy Riddick, and Roberto Bayardo. Uh, Roberto Bayardo was the original medical examiner at trial. He testified uh, and did the autopsy, and basically his findings were he estimated her time of death in the early morning of April twenty-third, 1996. Time of death is always an estimate. It's Mm -hmm. plus or minus three hours. So it could have been midnight. It could have been three. It could have been four. But it couldn't have been any later than 523 because that's when the vehicle that Stacy would have been driving was found in the parking lot of the high school near where Rodney Reed lived.
1: Absolutely. Lisa, I want to real quick step in and uh, let our listeners know, if you are wanting to come on and uh, debate, this, uh, debate this topic or have a uh, civil discussion, you're more than welcome to call in. Once again, our call-in number is three four seven nine eight nine one one seven one. but I do recommend when I screen you that you go ahead and say something. You are not getting on the air because of the divisiveness. Of this topic, you are not getting on the air without having a conversation with me first. So please, if I screen you, say something if you would like to have a conversation. Apologize, Lisa.
0: No problem. No problem. I understand this is a divisive topic, um, and it's a shame that in this society – People cannot accept that everybody is not going to always agree with you.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I'm more than happy to take a call, which we've got another one that I'm about to have to hop in here and screen, uh, you know, and uh, talk with. And we're more than happy to have a debate, this one coming from Houston. But, uh, you know, once again, we're not going to allow somebody to come in and just bash people, you know. This is a debate. more
0: than welcome. Well, actually, straight. and I, I think, frankly, um, because we have a guest coming on for nine, it's probably uh-huh. better that we cable any debate of the case uh-huh. to another time. And I'll be okay. happy to set that up. Maybe after the holidays, beginning of next year, uh, we will certainly, you know, have time because Mister Reed did get his stay of execution. He's not being executed. And for those listening, I felt that he would get a stay. I respect the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals appeals for giving him that stay. I do not object to it. I I understand Stacey's family and her friends and people who loved her are extremely hurt by it. But I understand that in due process, that is what happens,
2: that sometimes new
0: claims are raised and a court grant to stay to give them the opportunity to develop those claims.
1: Let me make sure I understand correctly. Are you saying we are not taking calls tonight?
0: Uh, No, I don't think because we have a guest coming on at 9, I don't want to get bogged down into back and forth over a statement or a small part of the case. Mm
1: Mm-hmm
0: and not be able to cover everything that Mr. Reed has raised, that he's going to be going back to court in Bastrop County to uh, prove.
1: Okay. Well, that will be perfectly fine. One thing I do want to let everybody know is there is a chat function at the bottom of your page. You're more than welcome to always get on there if you would like to ask a question or have me ask Lisa or our guest. Mr. Phillips, a question. Feel free to type it out even if you'd like to have us uh, address it. And we'll be, I'm sure we'll be more than happy to uh, get to that when we get a moment. Uh, like I said, the chat's at the bottom of the page. You're more than welcome to chat with us during all of our shows. And uh, we will get to you uh, either in the chat room or on the air. But uh, I agree with you, Lisa. Right now I think the best idea would be for us because we do have the guests coming in. To uh, to go ahead and uh, curve all the calls until then, because, well, we've got about 30 minutes left in this hour, and we're going to take the break at the 10-minute mark. So about 20 minutes
0: left. So anyway, back to where I was. So uh, Roberto Bayardo also in his autopsy and trial testimony and or trial testimony, also – Confirmed that Stacey Stites had been sexually assaulted prior to her murder. In 2012, Reed's attorneys approached Dr. Bayardo and asked him for an affidavit that essentially they claim withdraws his original findings or retracts his original testimony – but it doesn't really go that far. Uh, he criticized the prosecution's use of his time of death estimate, although he did not say that his time of death ed- estimate was midnight or 8 o'clock or 10 o'clock on the night of April 22nd. Uh, but he criticized the, the basically the prosecution for, quote, misleading the jury to make his estimate sound like it was a precise time. He also uh, retracted his his finding of sexual assault and basically uh, agreed that Rodney Reed and Stacey Stites could have had sex days or weeks before her murder, and that would explain the presence of his sperm in her body. Then, not satisfied with that, they went to, or perhaps they consulted him before, uh, Dr. Leroy Riddick, who is another medical examiner, I believe, in Texas, and he was critical of the time of death as well. He also agreed that the uh, viability of sperm was not as short as as the jury was led to believe it was. Uh, however, we've already talked about it, and what Dr. Bayardo and what Dr. Riddick claim was before the jury through Dr. Johnston or Dr. Johnson, who was Reed's DNA expert. So they had a choice of believing that the sperm was there from days before, or believing that it was just prior to Stacy's murder. And they found just prior to Stacy's murder. Um, Again, still not satisfied. They went to Werner Spitz and Michael Bodden, who are very well-paid experts. Uh, And I'm beginning to wonder if perhaps they're on retainer with the Innocence Project. Because they are turning up in a lot of Innocence Project cases. And I know from West Memphis 3... Years ago, before uh, Eddie Vedder and Lori Davis got involved, somebody reached out to Michael Bodden, and he wanted a hefty retainer to review the case. And the people who were reaching out to him at that time did not have funds for his retainer. They also didn't have funds for John Douglas's retainer. Uh, Not saying these are experts. They deserve to be paid just as Dr. Bayardo deserved to be paid or Travis County deserved to be paid for the autopsies being conducted by Dr. Bayardo. Uh, And interestingly enough, Innocence Project is not harping on the allegations of Dr. Bayardo's uh, improprieties in the 90s and early 2000s in conducting all the out-of-county autopsies uh, for surrounding counties surrounding Travis. County. So that's basically it. Um then there's an allegation of crime scene staging based on the fact that the seatbelt was fastened and police officers ride on top of the seatbelt. Um while that's true for their patrol cars when they're on patrol, having dated police officers when they're in their private vehicle they use their seatbelts because most states, that's the law. Also, uh, a counterpoint to that is the fact that there are injuries on Stacy's shoulder and upper chest that are consistent with her having been pulled out of the driver's seat while still in the seatbelt, which... Kevin Gannon, the proponent of the staging theory, does not even acknowledge. Then he also claims that the belt was separated, not broken. However, the testimony at trial was that the belt was broken. I don't know how you separate a belt without cutting it and leaving a clean-cut edge that would be determined, would have been determined at the time of the trial. Um, and he doesn't explain how that could be separated without a clean cut edge or cutting. And then the placement, he argues the placement outside the truck and outside uh, on the road, pointing towards Stacy's body, is a sure sign of staging. However, first of all, that's an issue that could have been raised at trial or it could have been raised in an early post conviction. Reed's first post-conviction claim, and it's not one that was raised then, and there's no reason it couldn't have been raised sooner. The experts to look at it and make that determination have been around and available since Mr. Reed's conviction in 1998. Uh, they also allege the placement of the name tag in her, the crook of Stacy's knee, her clip nails, uh, are also signs of, um, the name tag is signs of somebody close to her, I believe, and then the clip nails are somebody in law enforcement. But again, we have Carol Stite's testimony at trial that Stacy clipped her nails very short because of her job working with produce. Um, that's part of the record, and the courts are going to look at the record as well as what Mr. Reed is going to present to them. So, you know, we have to acknowledge that. And then another weird claim is that the broken zipper on the pants was not the result of a sexual assault, but was the result of moving the body from the truck.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Which I hope, that they put Kevin Gannon on the stand to explain that one.
1: Right.
0: So, uh, and then, of course, we talked about this last night, the retraction of testimony by Dr. Bayardo, Karen Blakely, Megan Clement. Uh, Dr. Bayardo, it's not really a retraction. He's changing his opinion, but there's not really... He doesn't cite a basis for changing his opinion, and both the Texas and the federal court have found that the uh, 2012 affidavit does not really change the case against Rodney Reed Mm -hmm. because most of it is stuff that was before the jury, and they obviously did not find that to be credible at the time. Uh, and then Blakely and Clement, neither one of them have directly recanted their trial testimony or claimed to have made an error. They're relying on a DPS letter and a, a form from LabCorp Selmark Bode or Bode Selmark to say it's a retraction when it's not. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, again, it will be interesting to see if they put those uh, Brady Mills and Stephanie Spivak on the stand at a hearing to have them explain that. And then there are numerous new relationship witnesses, uh, Calvin Horton, Stacy's cousin, seeing him at the Dairy Queen in Bastrop, Bastrop. Uh Alicia Slater who worked with Stacy at H E B and claims that Stacy told her that she was having an affair with a black guy named Rodney or sleeping with a black guy named Rodney. And that's how Slater says it, which is really mm-hmm. odd. Uh Leroy Yabara who says Stacy used to hide from Fennell and was always happy to see Rodney Reed in the store, which you know, Rodney Reed can be very charismatic. I'm sure right. if Stacy saw him in the store as a customer, she would be nice to him. But that doesn't mean that they had a relationship outside the store, and Ybarra doesn't say anything about seeing them together outside the store. Um, and then we've already talked about the lack of credibility with Finell dropping by the store when he worked 35 miles away in Giddings. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a Charles Wayne Fletcher who was a Bastrop sheriff's deputy. He was friends with uh, Stacy and Fennell, and he has come forward claiming that Fennell told him one day in March, while Stacy and somebody else else were at the pool in the apartment complex, that um, or that was how it was conveyed on social media, um, that. Pinel told him Stacy was sleeping with an N-word. Mm-hmm. Um, they were apparently at the barbecue pit, which I don't recall seeing barbecue pits in the pictures of Rolling Oaks that I've been able to find. Um, mm-hmm. But there you go. And so that's a very... Kind of an odd, you know, apparently apropos of nothing, he informs Fletcher Stacy's sleeping with a black guy behind his back. And then um, another uh, deputy from Bastrop by the name of Durlith. he claims that employees at HEB told him that they used to have to watch for Fennell and warn Stacy so that she could go hide from him whenever he came in the store or he would start a fight with her. Mhm. Um, neither Fletcher nor Durlith came forward in 1996 to report any of this information during the investigation of Stacy's murder, even before Rodney Reed became a suspect. Neither of them came forward in 97 after Rodney Reed was arrested or 98 after Rodney Reed, when Rodney Reed was on trial, they didn't come forward during his initial post-conviction. They didn't come forward during his federal post-conviction. They didn't come forward during his first execution date. They didn't come forward any of the times in 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, when the case has been all over the news with the claims of an innocent man about to be executed for a murder he didn't commit. Right. And then there's a woman with the last name of Peoples and I didn't I didn't take down her first name. She also claims she's an older woman but she apparently was great friends with Stacy and she claims that Stacy told her that she was afraid of Fennell, And that she was having an affair with a black guy. Ms. Peoples didn't Mm -hmm. come forward any time before. Suddenly in 2019, when Rodney Reed has an execution date, she comes forward. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see these witnesses. They're also alleging Brady violations because Mm -hmm. uh, the statement from Curtis Davis – Charles Wayne Fletcher, Jim Clampett from um, Lee County and Richard durlis all of them were law enforcement and their statements were not provided to the defense so that testimony is going to be interesting to see if they reported anything, who they reported it to and uh, whether that Brady violation is successful because if None of them reported it and Curtis Davis's Brady violation claim has pretty much already been resolved because that was part of his eighth writ. Um, but yeah, to see if they if they never said anything then how you know, how is anybody gonna provide that information to the defense if the officer who has it doesn't make a report, go to the detectives, or do anything right. with it. And then there are also um, the invalid scientific testimony regarding the survival of intact sperm and the time of death, Mm -hmm. which, again, providing – the federal court has already said, providing possibilities of a longer period for the sperm, providing possibilities of an early time of death or earlier time of death, Um, those are opinions that a jury – could reject. Right. And they could find that, you know, there was no relationship. Stacy died after three o'clock in the morning because all of the evidence shows that she was on her way to work. Mm hmm. And then they're also raising ineffective assistance of counsel claims uh, against Calvin Garvey and Lydia Clay Jackson for failure to investigate time of death, failure to investigate survival time for intact sperm, and failure to investigate relationship witnesses. Okay. And then, of course, the whole actual innocence claim, because uh, basically their time of death that they are uh, married to shows that Stacy died at a time when she was alone at home with Jimmy Finell but mm-hmm. their time of death evidence or opinion really raises more questions than it than it answers because Stacy's mother saw her at 8 p.m. wearing shorts and a t-shirt but when her body's found she's wearing her work pants her knee brace socks and her ten- and one tennis shoe second tennis shoes in the car her work shirts in the car the white t-shirt she wore under it is near where her body was found suggesting that she was wearing that um and then strangled with the belt that she wore with her work pants um there were signs of struggle in the truck And Dr. Baden doesn't really – doesn't address any of those things. If she was killed at midnight, she wouldn't have been wearing her work clothes. She would have been wearing shorts and a T-shirt. So Hmm. how does she end up in her work clothes when her body's dumped? I mean, you know, if Fennel had done it, He would have either stripped her naked and dumped her naked because he would have had to get the work shirt, the back brace, the knee brace. He'd have to get the knee brace on a dead body, which I've been told by numerous people, it's hard enough getting it on when you're alive. Right. Um, He would have had to get the pants on, the socks on, the shoe on. Remember to bring the second shoe to the truck because it's going to look real suspicious if you don't have – you know, you have a body with one shoe and the other shoe is nowhere to be found. Um, you just, you know, all of these things, it just doesn't add up. And they don't address them. They don't address the abrasions on the front of Stacey's body at her shoulder that are consistent with the seatbelt. Right. And they're basing the time of death on lividity and rigor, as it appeared in photographs and a videotape.
1: Okay.
0: But I think there are some inconsistencies with the um, autopsy report and what's purported to be in the photographs and videotape. Right. So so we'll have to see. He's going to get hearings with the Bastrop District Court. Um, they remanded four claims, and I think I have the order printed out. It's probably buried here somewhere. Um, four claims. The claims are pretty general. So, it's you know, they, they have to call witnesses at this hearing. Anybody right. that they don't call, they're going to lose... On that issue, right. so these relationship witnesses witnesses don't come, they are going to uh, excuse me, they are going to lose. So the claims that were uh, were remanded were the alleged suppression of exculpatory evidence in violation of Brady versus Maryland, the presentation by the state of a, or the alleged presentation by the state of false testimony in violation of due process. Uh, The ineffective assistance of counsel at trial and the actual innocence claim. Right. So he's getting his 10th bite at the state post-conviction apple, which I think is his 11th overall bite at the state post-conviction apple. Mm -hmm. And he's also getting a fourth remand for a hearing.
1: But yet, this guy's getting the wrong end of the deal.
0: Correct. Um, now, I do have to make it clear, and I know some people don't seem to understand this. Um, Post conviction litigation is not you make your claims, the court accepts everything as true, and you get what you want. It's an adversarial process just as a trial is. You make your claims, you put on your witnesses, and the state gets to talk to your witnesses and question your witnesses on cross-examination. And the state also gets to put on its own witnesses to refute the claims that you made.
1: That makes sense. You can't just go around making claims and think that they're going to be valid. or not. Well, the impression –
0: the impression that i get from social media the, the impression i got from social media after the last hearings there were some incredibly horrible posts about stacy's mother carol stites right and on youtube videos there are people who say carol stites is racist, and she is lying and protecting Fennel because she didn't like Rodney Reed, and she didn't like her right. daughter sleeping with
1: she's Rodney gonna, Reed. She's going to totally, protect, protect her daughter's boyfriend over her daughter who was just murdered. See, that, that type of shit, honestly, like, excuse my language, but that type of shit pisses me off.
0: That makes right. no I, I you know, and and they they constantly talk about the cousins, but you know Carol Stites, her daughters Deborah and Crystal, her her grandchildren, uh, Stacy's friends that don't believe Rodney Reed to be innocent, they're entitled to their opinion. They're entitled to believe in their heart that the right person is in prison. Just mm-hmm. as Rodney Reed's family is entitled to believe in their heart. That he's innocent,
1: right? Exactly. But and you know,
0: like I, I have, I have engaged with someone for Rodney Reed is innocent. I don't know if it was his brother Roderick or, or someone else. But I'm just putting additional information out there. If you get that information, and you still want to believe what you want to believe, that's fine with me.
1: But it's pretty amazing. Uh, mm -hmm.
0: Okay, it's pretty amazing Uh, that I've seen a lot of the tide starting to turn with people saying, "I got more information," and I wish I hadn't supported him.
1: I mean, I would agree, but you know, there's some people out there who are going to be so headstrong and not look at things like evidence and not look at things that prove they're. You know, prove them wrong and they're just going to believe their own narrative. But Lisa, I think we got about 10 minutes left. We're going to go ahead and take a break and get ready for our second hour. Uh, We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with more clear and convincing right after this.
2: day seem to hurt the most I wear the pain like a heavy coat I feel you everywhere I go
1: I see your smile I see your face I hear you laughing in the rain I still can't believe you're gone It ain't fair you died too young like Story that had just begun, but death tore the pages all away.
2: Coming to the Ola Gym, Saturday, June 29th, it's Redemption. Brought to you by the Arkansas Wrestling Organization. See Arkansas favorites like Cataclysm, Ace and More- the original misfit, Josh, Josh Cross, Suicide King, Ray, Ray. Insane Shane, and current AWO Champion D Mike. As they battle for redemption this Saturday in Ola at 307 West Hill Street. Doors open at 530. Concessions will be available, and this is a family-friendly show with kids under six getting in free. It's redemption. Brought to you by the Arkansas Wrestling Organization.
1: Yes, ma'am. We sure are. A little bit of a longer break than normal, but uh, definitely glad we were able to uh, get a little bit of stuff accomplished there.
0: Yeah, and I just want to say, um, the two songs that we played, the first one, uh, Who You'd Be Today, uh friend of Stacy's or someone from the area, reached out to me on Facebook and let me know that that was on the memorial website that was created by Stacy's family. And then another person reached out on Facebook today and told me she liked Metallica and Nothing Else Matters. So I wanted to play both of those tonight.
1: Well, nice. I am definitely... uh... Glad we were able to uh,
0: take care of that. Yeah, thank you for thank you for getting that one.
1: Oh no Because Metallica problem.
0: doesn't let us buy MP3s; it only lets us stream.
1: Right, right. <laughs> because you know they gotta <laughs> get paid.
0: <laughs> so well, they would get paid. Amazon charges a dollar twenty nine a song. True. True. So, all right. Well, we're waiting for Mr. Phillips to call in. Uh, I gave you the number. And we'll just go ahead and we'll start talking about um, – or I'll have some – I have some introductory comments anyway for the alleged evidence against Jimmy Finell. Okay. Um, when I look at the evidence and – it's entirely circumstantial, first of all. Uh, there's no physical evidence, and while you can argue that, well, they didn't search the apartment, they didn't properly process the truck, uh, that still doesn't change that when DNA testing was done from stains on the pants and back brace that could not be tested in 1996, the DNA on those was not Jimmy Finnell's. It was Ron right. Reeds.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, there's no DNA on anything that's been tested that physically links Jimmy Finnell to the crime scene.
2: Right. Even the
0: allegations about the beer cans don't link Jimmy Finnell to the crime scene they potentially link David Hall and Ed Salmelli, because you can't use DNA from one person to place another person at a crime scene. Right. You know, DNA puts you and and again, as I've said many times, and I'll continue saying it, the beer cans did not have DNA from two police officers. They had HLA-DQ alpha profiles that did not exclude David Hall, Ed Salmella, or Stacy Stites. But if Stacy Stites uh-huh. is already dead by the time her body is brought there, she couldn't have been standing around drinking a beer with David Hall and Ed Salmella. Because she was supposedly killed in the apartment hours before her, four to six hours before her body was dumped, according right. to Rodney Reed's timeline.
1: Right. Well, Lisa, I don't, uh, Mr. Phillips is on the uh, on the hold button here. Would you like me to go ahead and bring him on?
0: Wonderful. Yes, please.
1: Okay. He should be, uh, he should be up right
2: now.
0: Great. Good evening, Mr. Phillips. How are you? Um, Well,
2: good evening. It's an honor to be part of your program, and I just lied to you. I'm not totally well. I'm suffering a little bit from the aftermath of a sinus infection, but hopefully I'll uh, push the mute button if I need to sneeze or cough.
0: Oh, certainly. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Glad
2: to do it. I think you're doing a great, great service, and... uh,
0: i'm i'm pleased to be
2: part of your show
0: thank you so um as well as i was saying every everything that they have pointing toward jimmy Finell is entirely circumstantial
2: well and i must confess i'm just joining the show so i missed the first hour i had to i uh, was practicing criminal law late into the night down here in georgetown texas i just got home but uh uh, you you sound like someone who has researched this Perhaps as thoroughly as anybody I got into this case via my representation of Jimmy Ten years later in the Georgetown uh, criminal case That he was guilty of And only retrospectively have uh, re-examined Some of the sites Murder. I, I want your listeners to know that I, I was not his lawyer at that time uh, because he correct. was charged, but uh, correct. I've done quite a bit of reading and uh, my own research in in my capacity as his lawyer since 2007, and uh, I mean I'm a simple person in the way I analyze life and. The thing that I find most telling about trying to wedge Jimmy Fennell into the suspect chair is not just all the details you're talking about, but the fact that uh, he had no motive to kill this girl and there was no uh, evidence. There never has been any evidence since the killing to support this fantastic notion that Rodney Reed was having a secret affair and that she died hours earlier and all that kind of stuff. Correct. So, uh, I just like to see one photograph uh, of the two lovers together. I'd like to see one uh, loving embrace with Rodney and Stacy together, you know, after Easter Sunday services or her birthday or a candlelit dinner in Bastrop that they had together. Just something to show that they really were ever together. Right. But I think I'm probably deviating from, from your No. Story, so
0: I no, I totally I totally agree. Um she was a person who wrote notes to her friends and people in her life. So a note from yeah. Stacy to Rodney? Yeah. I love you, boo.
2: Anybody, I mean, and you would think somebody would have a scrap of that somewhere or a photo. Right. Or a fingerprint on her windowsill or something. <laughs>
0: Correct. That's one of the other um, inconsistencies. They, they constantly say, well, there was nothing – no evidence of him ever being in the truck, but he claims that the night before she was murdered, he was in the truck.
2: Well, see, you know all – this is where your knowledge of the uh, details of that horrible case are, are far, far more extensive than mine, so that, oh. that doesn't shock at all that that he would say that, <clears throat> I loved it when he said on the Dr. Phil program when Dr. Phil asked him, uh, "So why are all these women uh, claiming that you raped and sexually brutalized them? What is their motive for doing that? You remember what he said? They're jealous. Somebody's jealous. jealous. They're jealous. They're jealous. And and." For any serious journalist in the major media, and I've been interviewed by all of them in the last two weeks, to not follow up on that and quiz him a little more closely. What do, what do you mean, Rodney? That twelve-year-old that you that you mangled so badly while you were on bond for the nineteen eighty-seven rape that you beat with your, uh, you know, I was having an affair with her story. She was brutalized so badly that a juror in the trial had to take a bathroom break to go throw up. Was she jealous first of uh, Stacey, or was it the first rape victim?
0: No, I think he's implying that, that maybe the police were jealous of him because, of course, if you've read the snippet of his mom's testimony at the bond hearing, he always had four or five little girlfriends.
2: Well, yeah, but that was not the question Phil asked me. He'll ask me at least the way I heard. <laughs> no, I. The way I
0: heard. Well, it, you Why know he's 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 very charismatic, but he's also a very good liar. So he either keeps it simple, or adds details that are true. I've always suspected that he took Stacy to the park in Bastrop because he keeps saying that's where they used to go to have sex. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I've always wondered, and perhaps you have a theory about this, how did he get her to pull over and let him into the truck on that fateful morning? Uh, and I'm sure you know that two other women fell prey to that same uh, modus operandi. Correct. It's striking. Two other women were uh, abducted on the very same road she was on the day she died. I've always wondered I, how he got her to pull over and let him in the truck. Or whether he just I, commandeered it. It just stood in front of him. I think what. He just.
0: Yeah. Personally, I think what happened was there are train tracks, and the trains run through at that time of night. And I think she was stopped for a train. She forgot to lock a door. They, because it wasn't an automatic lock vehicle, and she was stopped for the train. Maybe he got her to roll down the window and ask for a ride. She told him no, and so he opened yeah. the door and pulled her out, hit her on the head, Yep. jumped in the truck, and drove off with her.
2: That's a very valid theory, and uh, it's also interesting to me – and. This is just context to all this, but Bastrop is even now a, a small town. It was a much smaller town 23 years ago, and everybody kind of knew everybody, and Rodney Reed was a known ne'er-do-well in the town and mm-hmm. was into drug and drug dealing. And In fact, ironically, he was in jail on a drug charge when the DNA came back on his semen of uh, which was in Stacy and they they confronted him while he he was you know he was an inmate for a drug rap. They go in to see mm-hmm. him and they say, Rodney we'd like to talk to you about Stacy Stites. I don't know no Stacy Stites except what I've read in the paper. Oh really? Right. Well your man fluid is inside of her. The DNA just came back. You wanna rethink that? Oh that's Stacy Stites. I'm having an affair with her Knowing that that same sequence worked in the 1987 Wichita Falls sexual assault accusation, the same exact thing. We'd like to talk to you about this girl. I don't know the girl. Oh, really? Your DNA is inside of her. Oh, that girl. I'm having an affair with her. And amazingly, I don't know what the jurors are like in Wichita Falls, Texas, but the jury on that particular day was pretty gullible, and they bought it.
0: So I, I know, think he, one of the things that
2: happened.
0: One of the things that happened in that case, I believe, is first of all, um, there was a four-year delay between the assault and the trial.
2: The Wichita Falls And
0: place. if I could get if I could get those Wichita County records, I'll bet you everything I own that it was Rodney Reed's attorneys. Well, pushing not, that delay. You,
2: yeah, I mean you you know far more, uh, obviously, it, about even that case. Uh, and I'm sure you have probably read Michael Corcoran, uh, the article yeah. by Michael Corcoran. That's one of the better investigative uh, pieces that's been done on this monster, Rodney Reed. And uh, Corcoran, as you probably know, is is a pretty respected – I would say very respected journalist – In these parts of Texas And uh, certainly no Friend of law enforcement Or partisan right wing You know uh, Hit piece journalist And he does a very thorough job Of uh, Unfolding The Just appalling uh, And documented History of this guy which is why I As a defense Lawyer have never wavered in the least in, in uh, believing that Reed was the killer. <clears throat> and I guess just as a <laughs> note of, uh, uh, what's the word, so self-congratulation or something, uh, as, a, as a defense lawyer, I like to think I'm pretty partisan when it comes to due process, reasonable doubt, and even though I represent Jimmy Fennell and have, uh if if i thought that my client was maybe the guy i wouldn't be going on national media talking about how innocent he is and how guilty reed is I, I, this uh, my conscience would not i just remain silent i just no comment Correct. you know but, but this is Correct. this is an this is an outrageous miscarriage of justice uh, that, that Reed has become, you know, Kim Kardashian's uh running buddy and everybody's cozying up to him, including Ted Cruz and people who ought to know better. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas is one of the most conservative guys in the world. And right. he, he's he he drank the Kool-Aid along with Congressman McCall and some other people, maybe I I, I know you're you're based in New Orleans, but uh, here in Texas One of the most conservative places in the Western world. Those two guys, McCall and Cruz, are are not leftist. You know, softies. Those guys are hardcore conservatives, and they they were among the crowd that rallied in behind uh, Rihanna and and uh, and Kim Kardashian to 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 beg Greg Abbott for a a new trial. And it's just, I, I just. I'm I'm just amazed at it all. But I'm, I'm I'm rambling on here so I apologize.
0: Oh no, that's all right. That's hearing your thoughts is, you know, part of what we're about is not just looking at the case but you know, even analysis and that that's an interesting analysis, but I think they've been able to ma- mount such a pervasive public relations campaign. And and people are only taking that side of the story yeah, and And, not looking beyond.
2: Yeah, and I won't uh, uh, name this person because they may be listening, but there's someone very close to me in my immediate uh, family who watched the Dr. Phil program. I I appeared on that show, and uh, it was a two-part show, which was apparently the pivot in the – in the uh, public relations campaign which started to rally the likes of Kim Kardashian and others. And this this person said, Boy, your your guy sure looks guilty. And of course the vote that they that they had I don't know right. they, they showed it the ninety nine percent of the crowd voted for Jimmy Finnell as the killer. And uh and, and the last the very last three seconds of the show, episode two, was me saying,
0: Thankfully we have courts
2: for this kind of thing because
0: the yeah i heard the, that. Evidence,
2: the raw evidence in the case is so overwhelming this is why he's lost this is why reed has lost every habeas corpus petition every post conviction writ hearing every appeal every federal uh, avenue every state avenue even the supreme court has has kicked the case back because there's nothing in the evidence to support this notion that Jimmy Finell's the real killer.
0: Correct. So. And they and they the thing that I I objected to with Dr. Phil especially because Bryce Benjet has been involved since 2002 things he presented on Dr. Phil he knows are out of context and misrepresented. Well, I was because he was, was involved it. with presenting those in state court. In earlier writs,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: where the op- opinion went against Reed on those issues.
2: Well, and you, you, you probably know the history. In fact, I can tell you do. So you, you ask, you answer this question. Am I right that the the whole uh, she died in the bathtub theory was first presented on the Dr. Phil show?
0: Well. It, I believe that the whole drowning, she died in the bathtub, may have come from a gentleman by the name of David Fisher, who got involved very early and began, quote, investigating. Um, And then when Kevin Gannon was doing Dead Man Talking, he hooked up with Fisher.
2: And Fisher
0: downloaded all of his theories. Onto Gannon and Gannon ran with them, which shows that the dead man talking, dead man walking A and E program was not an objective program.
2: Oh, oh you're talking where they
0: were reinvestigating you know. a case and determining whether the outcome was correct or not. It was subjective. If they believed the Gannon, person was Gannon innocent, being, they were going to find him Gannon innocent.
2: Being, Gannon, being the retired NYPD detective.
0: Yeah, he's got, the, okay. he's got the clout, and he's got the credentials yeah, that yeah. David Fisher doesn't have. How
2: about this, Lisa? You're a, you're, you're a longtime member of the uh, courthouse community. Uh, had you ever heard before, Dr. Phil, of the field of expertise called victimology?
0: I've heard of it, yeah. It's usually employed <laughs> by post-conviction defense attorneys.
2: Well, in my to career of forty years, say that their never,
0: their client is not guilty
2: via uh, an expert called a victimologist.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Well, that was news to me, and I've tried cases all over Texas and handled any number of different experts calling themselves various things. And yeah, my, in my in my entire life, I had never heard of the field called victimology. And I found it from you immu- I didn't say it on TV, but I, I thought victimology? Well that's a that's an interesting self promotional title.
0: It has always been a component of the profiling done by the FBI.
2: Okay. Well but You learn something every day. You're teaching me something non FBI
0: trained profilers have now taken it out and made it into, instead of being a component part of a profile, they've taken it out and made it its own thing as a way of saying our client couldn't have killed the victim.
2: Okay. Our client could not have killed the victim, therefore I'm going to call victimology professor, PhD, so-and-so. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. I mean, you know, hey, you might – you might want to look into as a defense attorney, you know, hooking up with victimologists.
2: Well, I guess so, but I will tell you in your is, next
0: jury trial. I
2: tried, I tried uh a ton of cases when I was in the Dallas County District Attorney's office back in the early 1980s. Murders, rapes, robberies. Never once confronted a victimologist and as a a lawyer of 35 years on the defense side I, I have plenty of friends That are pretty darn good lawyers As well as my own practice Never once have I heard Not one time I'm going to call this victimologist In my next case So it must be uh, the, the expertise du jour In other jurisdictions
0: Probably I know I saw Victimology was an issue With the West Memphis 3 case there you go you know so but uh all right so let's look at these some of these allegations against uh jimmy finnell um there's an allegation that he and stacy had a strained relationship because they were having arguments about the wedding um this one I, i nearly choked when i read it because Who in their right mind does not know that when you're planning a wedding, the bride and the groom are going to fight about big things, little things? Right, right, right. Everything and nothing.
2: Yeah, which of course gives him motive to kill her because that's spat Mm -hmm. about what what kind of boutonniers that the groomsmen should wear. I mean that's in the same category – uh, that same category of some of these other 11th hour Hail Mary witnesses that the Innocence Project brought out successfully. I mean, it worked, but the insurance man who's claiming that sh- that she's filling out as a young bride-to-be uh, an application for life insurance, and Jimmy Fennell, her husband-to-be, is with her, along with this insurance guy who is a stranger to both of them, as I understand it. And, mm-hmm. and and Jimmy just blurts out, supposedly, if you ever mess around on me, I'll kill you, and nobody will find your dead carcass, or whatever he supposedly, supposedly said. The whole, the whole, even if you take these witnesses' stories discreetly, meaning separately, uh, they all fall apart under the weight of their own absurdity and internal... Uh, either Inclusive. contradictions or or fake or false premises. I mean, the, the premise that somebody would say something like that at all—number one—is is questionable. Number two, yeah. he would say it front, in front of a stranger. And number three, in the in the response to a uh, a naive question from the young woman about, well, why do I need insurance? I mean, it doesn't even Correct. fit in the in the colloquy, you know. That's, and, and that's the,
0: you know. One of one of the um, features of a lot of this stuff that I've noticed in the four years that I've been researching the case, or five years, there's an incredible inability to place things into context. Yeah. And it's kind of a common thing in post-conviction where they take a sentence or a phrase from a two- or three-page statement, and they focus on that and ignore whatever else is in the statement. Well, since
2: I don't know you personally, I have a question for you. What captivated you about the case? What was it about the Rodney Reed case that has has – you know, entranced in, in, in you or whatever the word would be, made you so passionate about going back and looking into it?
0: Well, I heard the whole innocent man being executed for a crime you didn't commit. Um, the racial claims, which apparently they're, they're the ones who make it ra- about race. I don't have any... Amazing feeling one yeah. way or the other about Rodney Reed, don't care what race he is. It has nothing to do with Stacy's race. Uh, but then I read the Michael Corcoran article. Right. And then I started looking at the court opinions and the briefs. And when I looked at the claims that were being made to support the claims about him being innocent and saw so many that had been determined In 2002, that have been presented and ruled against him, and they're continuing to recycle these claims, and then there are the ones that just don't add up. And of all the cases I've ever researched, this has got the most that don't add up, and the most extrajudicial information serving as a basis for people to believe that somebody's innocent.
2: Yeah. And I I found it compelling in the Corcoran piece that uh, uh, this theory that the cause of death was hours earlier, and that it had to have been Jimmy in the bathtub with the lead pipe, you know, uh, and uh, but Carol Stites Corcoran makes an interesting argument that I tried to float, and I don't know that I did it as tightly as I should. As I wanted to on the Dr. Phil show, but he's basically saying that it implicitly involves Carol Stites, the mother, if that theory is going to have any foundation, because she's sleeping in the apartment below when the supposed dead body of her daughter is is toted out of the building by Jimmy. Carol, here's the door open. Jimmy somehow gets the body out to this remote area, stages the crime scene, and then finds a way back at four o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Carol Stites doesn't, doesn't hear the door this time when he comes back and sneaks back up into his bedroom and then does a Marlon Brando acting job worthy of an Oscar when they alert him that she's missing. And he clambers downstairs, hitching up his pants and frantically, you know, wanting to go look for her. I, I just thought that was uh intriguing at the very least as a as a rebuttal to the fantastic notion that uh that Fennell had killed her in the bathtub upstairs. Right. And you would I, you, I,
0: I agree. You would, <laughs> and you would think
2: that Carol Stytes would have heard commotion of some and, kind. If the walls that's
0: in. When you when you look at Bob's testimony at that hearing in 2017, his theory is that she was killed in the apartment, put face down in the floor of the truck for four to six hours Ooh. in the parking lot of the apartment. So Jimmy would have had to go back upstairs to the apartment, so Carol would have heard two trips up and down the stairs.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Or three trips up and down the stairs. And she's only saying she heard one at three, which is the time Stacy left. And they, one of the other things is the hypocrisy of everything Fennell has said is a lie. You can't believe it. And yet you believe every word Rodney Reed says, even though he's convicted of capital murder right. and sitting on right. death row. Right. And has the right. most motive to lie
2: and, and, the and some of the things Finell
0: said are corroborated by Carol Carol corroborates Stacy's schedule her habit of leaving at 3 o'clock in the morning right and um, seeing Jimmy Finnell get home at 8 o'clock at night not out drinking with his buddies until 10 or 11 o'clock at night
2: right that was funny, too, that Curtis Hall, I believe his name is. Is that his name? Curtis, Curtis Davis. Davis. I felt sorry for the guy because for whatever reason, either seeking his 15 minutes of fame or whatever, he submits to a CNN interview and does the, the big deal that leads to the, the big uh, revelation that leads to the uh, 2007 or 2017 red hearing. And then on the stand in Bastrop, I watched the poor guy back up like a bad toilet. I mean, it was just—it was embarrassing to watch the uh, very <clears> thorough cross-exam <throat> of the state prosecutor that just basically had him at the end saying, "Well, I'm not really sure about anything."
0: <laughs> right, and yeah. i I felt bad for him. I don't think that he was. I don't even think he was seeking it. I think that he believes Rodney Reed's guilty, and he was doing it to express that. And that's I don't another know. thing. They <laughs> ignore his comments because if you read the entire transcript, he says point blank that he would not have helped Jimmy Finnell cover up a murder. He exactly. would have arrested him. What?
2: And that raises He another- says
0: that Jimmy could not have killed her.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, and, and again, I keep getting uh, asked by the media, because, you know, when the drumbeat of the public relations campaign began, as each hour ticked by before the execution date of, of today, it would have been today. Rodney Reed would, yes. would be no more. If justice had been carried out Uh, And although I would never rejoice In the death of another human being It would have been uh, a sweet day For justice in America If Rodney Reed had gotten the death penalty That has been so long delayed While Stacey Stites continues to decay in her grave But that aside, I keep getting asked or I was during the uh, media interviews I was doing. Why or what's the motive, uh, Mr. Phillips, for all these people coming forward the insurance man, Mr. Fletcher, and all these others, who is the HEB clerk, and all these people? What do you think? Why are they saying What? Are, what's behind it? And uh, I, I have my answer that I will gladly say here on your show in a moment. But before I do, what is yours? What do you think is the – is there, first of all, an answer, uh, or what would you say to that question?
0: You know, I don't know. I don't like to to speculate about people's motivation. I think there's probably an element of if they know Fennell, they don't like him after what he did in Georgetown. Yep. Um, They may be opposed to the death penalty. They may have aligned themselves with Rodney Reed and his family. That's what the law enforcement officers from Austin did and filed an embarrassing brief at the U.S. Supreme Court. Oh, that that was – that was –
2: I I think you're onto it, and I, of course, would – agree with the very first thing you said which is who knows why why should we even have to speculate about the motivations of 10 different people because uh everybody has their own reasons for coming forward but the one thing they all have in common every one of them is they've <laughs> waited 23 years to come forward with these supposedly helpful stories Why in the Mm -hmm. world does anybody – why does anybody with a conscience, particularly a law enforcement agent like Fletcher, how does he live with himself as a sworn officer of the law to do justice, even as a retired individual, for 23 years while he believes there's an innocent man on death row named Rodney Reed? And he says, my wife prodded me. My wife told me I had to come forward. Really? Is that what it took, Mr. Fletcher? Correct. Because – because that shouldn't have to be. If, if, you're, if you have any kind of moral compass, you cannot – you can't sleep at night if you know that you're in possession of critical facts that would spare a man's life for a crime he didn't commit. And my theory, well, personally is that all these people – and I think you really – you kind of said it offhandedly, but I think every one of them with maybe an exception or two, has some kind of uh, beef with either the Stites family, the Fennell, the Mr. Fennell, or is a partisan Rodney Reed uh, supporter, that there's nothing mm-hmm. neutral in any of this, nothing, especially in a small town like Bastrop. Uh, the If anybody's ever lived in a small town, they know good and well that there's it's impossible to have neutral opinions of other people.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. So correct. That's my and
2: and 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 anybody who's tried a case, a criminal case, or been part of a criminal case knows good and well that the the, the one sacred right that we have in this country, other than the right to counsel in in a criminal case is the right to cross examine and and these people if they if they actually and I, I, it looks like that's going to happen they're going to there's going to be another dog and pony show when they're cross examined by these competent prosecutors they're going to be made to look as foolish as Mr uh you know Curtis I keep forgetting his last name
0: David uh, yeah
2: as, as he as was and, and it's going to be sad to watch but also extremely Angering to anybody who cares about Stacy and her family.
0: Correct. Which is another. And thing you know you I'm have to.
2: Consciousness here, but the the Stites family has stood by Jimmy Finell from day one. Isn't that striking? I mean, if you were gonna make a case that the wrong man was on death row, wouldn't you think that the the dead girl's mother and sisters mm-hmm. would be on the would be on the picket line with Mama Reed? Correct. Saying, you know, justice for justice for Rodney. We want Jimmy Finell tried. We think he's the killer. Wouldn't you think there'd be one credible Stites family member? And there's only one who's even saying anything, and she's the estranged cousin. Uh, it it's just it's it's laughably absurd, but it's also appallingly uh, disgusting.
0: Yeah. And you know the irony is with the law enforcement officers from Austin if this had happened in Austin to one of their girlfriends or wives they would be accused of being the real killer by Rodney Reed and their uh associates would all be potential accomplices and everybody would be corrupt and out to get Rodney Reed
2: Yeah Well I I I I was absolutely Appalled by the, and for some reason they chose a deputy constable from Williamson County to be their spokesperson, and without mm-hmm. disparaging, without disparaging the office of deputy constable, it's not exactly special agent
0: FBI. Correct. <laughs> I'll leave it at but, that. Uh, and you know, let's. Uh, I, I want to talk about the the failure to come forward. Um, one of the other ironies is that if any one of these witnesses, the insurance agent Clampett Fletcher, uh, if they had come forward in 1996, right after Stacy was murdered, Rocky Wardlow would have had his probable cause for a search warrant for Jimmy Finell's apartment. Now
2: help me with Rocky Wardlow. That's a name I hadn't heard.
0: He was a Texas Ranger who was involved with kind of the… The lead investigator, because I believe because Stacy was from Giddings and found in Bastrop, heading into Bastrop, they felt the Texas Rangers would be the better agency to lead the investigation yes. because they have the statewide resources. I think also it may have been because Jimmy Finnell was her fiancé and a police officer. Right. And so bring in the Texas Rangers who are a, an independent agency from the, the county agencies.
2: You just know all the names better than I. I, I like I like I've said at I'm, the outset, I, I did not participate in the original case, so some of these names are are not part of my
0: immediate memory. Yeah, I I have always had a good Good grasp of names, so that's one things. I'm one of the things I'm blessed with.
2: Well, you've really so, been yeah. thorough. I'm terribly impressed.
0: Thank, thank you, thank you. Um.
2: So wish, yeah, any I any wish. one of
0: them, they could have searched the apartment.
2: <laughs> well, I, and and I wish that did they even try? Did they even
0: no try search for um, them? There was no they reason. did not – at trial, and the jury knew that the apartment wasn't searched because on cross-examination, either Calvin Garvey or Lydia Clay Jackson questioned Rocky Wardlow about that. During the investigation, when Jimmy Finell was the prime suspect, they never developed sufficient probable cause to get a search warrant. And, of course, you know that under was- the Fourth Amendment – there's no crime scene exception. There's no suspected crime scene. There's no last place the victim was seen. And Jimmy Fennell had property rights or, or Fourth Amendment rights in that apartment.
2: Well, and I they have. They could have asked it. for
0: consent, but you know, you know, consent can be withdrawn if incriminating evidence of well, any kind happens to be found. Uh, whether it relates to the read, investigation or not.
2: Yeah, but when you read, you've read the whole transcript, obviously. When you read the testimony of Wardlow, uh, who cross-examined him, Lydia Clay Jackson.
0: I don't remember whether it was Clay Jackson or Garvey. I think it uh, was Clay Jackson. Okay. But and they kind of took the, turns. Okay.
2: Well. Yeah. And I, I want you to critique this this thought of mine because it's it's based strictly on my experience as a lawyer but not on this particular case because i haven't read every jot and tittle of the record but my guess is when wardlow was testifying and they were trying to undermine his his quality of investigation by saying you never searched the apartment blah 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 Wasn't the gist of his reply being along the lines of not some Fourth Amendment argument, but we had no reason to think anything bad had happened up there? There was no evidence that we had that led us to believe or even wonder that she and yeah,
0: and that to me, yeah, that and I think that's encompassed in the I never developed probable cause in the investigation. You strip
2: off all the lingo, which is, you know, in some sense, you know, non lawyers kind of get befuddled by the the secret passwords we all use. But if you just strip it down to regular, the way regular people talk and think, the way I uh, retrospectively evaluate Wardlow and the reason they didn't search is we didn't have any reason to think anything bad had happened in that apartment. There was no evidence at all that had been brought mm-hmm. to our attention that gave us any reason to even wonder what had happened in that apartment. And I'm a Texas this is my you know, this is my retrospective entering into the mind of, of, of Ranger Wardlow. But I, I there was no reason to to believe that fanciful death in the bathtub story that surfaced on Dr. Phil 23 years later from a victimologist.
0: Correct. So, so uh, and um, then one of the other things I wanted to ask you and I, I don't know if you can even discuss it and if you can't just let me know but uh, as, you, as you probably heard Uh, One of the issues being appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court is Jimmy Finell's invocation of his Fifth Amendment right at the 2017 hearing to not testify. Right. And um, I understand exactly why. They were going to accuse him of perjury. They were going to ask him about things that he had done while he was a police officer in Georgetown. Uh, he was currently incarcerated at that time, and they probably would have asked him about that. And uh, is Texas a state where you have to invoke and not testify at all, or is it a state where you can pick and choose? Different states well, you're have asking different
2: about four different questions. So and I will tell you we're in a <laughs> delicate we're in a delicate area that I do. Yeah,
0: I don't want you to violate confidentiality. I
2: appreciate at all. that, and I so I'm very loath to enter into my
0: reasoning or my
2: thinking or the reasons why Jimmy did that. And uh, I recognize that uh, any number of people can form opinions that that would. Be negative as to Jimmy But I, I I will simply say that it was The right thing for him to do uh, And it was not inconsistent At all As I said when I stood up in court And did it It's on the record mm-hmm. we, we stand by our original Testimony And we hereby invoke Our rights under the fifth amendment since essentially what I said right. And if okay. you listen to what if you listen to those words, you can probably form reasonable and rational and appropriate deductions about why he did what he did. And without affirming your theories that you just advanced, uh, I will just commend
0: That's you for all how you intelligent, can say. Woman,
2: intelligent a woman you are.
0: Thank you so much. That's all I'm going to say. Um, gonna and say. we'll leave it at that. <laughs> now, I did want to talk to you um I don't know if you've read the brief or their arguments about the confrontation clause and how there should be a negative no, inference drawn. No, I have. Isn't that kind Is that of the, eviscerating the whole 5th Amendment?
2: I'm sorry. Help help me re- restate your question.
0: Um the Innocence Project, Dr. Bryce Benjet, uh et al, are arguing that first of all they wanted the court … to draw a negative inference against Jimmy Finell for his failure to testify at that 2017 hearing.
2: And that's in the brief to the Supreme Court?
0: Uh, correct. And that was an argument that they made to the court – to the Bastrop Court at the end okay. of the hearing. Okay. Um, so wh- what do you think about that? I mean – as far I as strong and negative I'm inference against a witness who to
2: comment. invokes, I'm not. I I don't think it's uh, wise for me. Uh, okay. To comment on that, and and I okay. I will simply I will simply say that the Innocence Project, Barry Sheck et all, are quality lawyers who do what quality lawyers do, and they argue as creatively as they can, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay. I just decline to go further with that because it's it's not... It's not prudent. It's oh, not wise.
0: I understand. That's all right.
2: That's, and I think, uh, you know I think you know
0: what. I think you know Yeah. And... Uh, you know, on a personal level, I disagree with that because they're they're about to uh they could open a can of worms that they don't want to open. Well, if they're Ross, successful it, on behalf of Rodney Reed. Me. What's that? Their clients are gonna have to look out for that.
2: Well, their clients you mean across the United States that they're representing? Mm
1: hmm Is
2: that what you mean? Well, that's what I was going to say, just in a generic sense, extract your question from the Rodney Reed case, and we'll just talk in a generic way. Yes. And nothing that I'm about to say should be construed as any kind of answer to your previous question about why would a man who is innocent…
0: Oh, no, that woman. wasn't my question at all. No, I don't… No, my that's question exactly. is that the… They're arguing that, uh, you know, Jimmy Fennell should have been penalized at the hearing by the Bastrop Court for invoking his Fifth, fifth Amendment and not. Well, that's testifying. another
2: thing. Okay. So if I'm translating that, and I haven't read their brief, so this may be a mistranslation, but it is certainly an ironic. Uh, Adam of what they're saying, which is we're criminal lawyers. We're representing Rodney Reed and we don't like the fifth amendment when somebody uses it against us. That's outrageous to me. And, uh, and, and, and God forbid that anybody in the United States of America invoke their fifth amendment privileges. If it hurts our, uh, 11th hour hail Mary, uh, you know, Kim Kardashian-driven public relations campaign.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm being That's careful, more along the I'm, lines.
0: It, not the well, not the specific to Rodney Reed real. or even Jimmy Fennell, but just the overall. In any case, arguing that a witness who invokes, whether it's a witness or a defendant, and you know everybody should look and understand throughout this entire process, Rodney Reed has been invoking his. Fifth Amendment right, because he has never testified in any proceedings held yes. in connection about, with his case. This.
2: this this weaves into something that we haven't talked about, but every media outlet from ABC to the BBC, I was literally interviewed by the British Broadcasting Company, uh, along with every, every other television network, uh, about why these women... These seven women were never – their cases were never prosecuted. If there's such strong evidence that Rodney Reed has a career of raping and sodomizing and brutalizing women, why didn't the prosecutor uh, prosecute these, these cases? And, of course, the answer is once you get the death penalty on somebody, it's a waste of prosecution resources to try him for lesser offenses. Plus, you, you can hold them for later prosecution with the lengthy statute of limitations that most of them have. Mm-hmm. And you probably know what, whether some of those are still right for prosecution. I honestly don't know. But but the thing, that, the thing that directly relates to what we're talking about right now, which is the Fifth Amendment, uh, Lydia Clay Jackson and her co-counsel had the Hobson's choice in that case of whether to open the door to the secret affair defense very far and vigorously cross-examine people and put on testimony and put on Rodney and all that because they knew that those those gals were waiting in the wings to testify as a rebuttal to a defensive theory uh which which they apparently artfully avoided in the guilt phase although they had to deal with it in the in the punishment phase and, correct uh, and, and and for laymen out there who have no idea what I'm talking about, what well, I'll simplify it and simply say that if you're defending somebody who's got a string of, say, liquor store robberies, and he always wears a mask and he always has an orange neckerchief in every uh, robbery, so he's got kind of like a signature way of robbing people. <laughs> okay, well, he's on trial for one robbery, and you're trying to keep out the other 16 liquor store clerks that are ready to testify he robbed me too you, you mm-hmm. dare not as a lawyer put on too creative or aggressive a uh, defense or cross-exam because the, the law says you're now opening the door for the state to rebut your defensive theory of it ain't me you got the wrong guy and in rodney's case it was it ain't me because i'm having an affair with the dead girl oh really we've got six other women who will say you were not having an affair with them, including this twelve-year-old girl whose face is mangled for life, and so she, well, Lydia and the lawyer kept that out, as I understand it, until the the second phase, and they lathered it all over him at that point. But I understand why the man would take the Fifth Amendment. Um, the
0: the irony, or or, or I guess the irony, is. They were damned if they didn't, damned if they didn't. If they pushed too hard on the secret relationship, there were two right. former girlfriends of Rodney Reed,
2: exactly, who could have exactly.
0: rebutted exactly. that.
2: Well, maybe we're saying the same thing, but and, along and with the, the
0: other four <laughs> strangers, yeah, and two of whom were were uh, linked by DNA. So yeah, they were they were in they were in the rock and hard place.
2: Right. And I guess if I were gonna boil this down to just a sentence or two, because I know we're getting near the end, and I hope I have not completely hijacked your your agenda for the show, because you sent me a list of things you wanted to talk about, and I don't know how many of them we actually got to. But, uh, well, we I hope: I, We covered I hope, most of them I, last
0: night. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope so you're I fine. This was I, I, I this hope was I informative:
2: I hope I haven't disinvited myself for
0: future. Dialogues. Know,
2: but uh, but the, the thing that, if I were going to capsulize in a 30-second elevator speech on why Ronnie Reed deserves to die, it would be, what about the women? in this hashtag MeToo world we live in, where Harvey Weinstein and all these other celebrities are being outed for their sexual uh, behaviors years after the fact, and nobody that I've read dares doubt the veracity, the Bill Cosby you know, victims and all that, uh, we readily accept The reasons why women uh, Have Delayed outcries And such things as that Why are we not defending These poor women And I know you've done it I've seen it on your Twitter feed You've I've seen some mentions Of these women's names And I think you've even hashtagged Remember their names or whatever But the point is Rodney Reed is a one man sexual violence, crime wave who has since 1987 raped and brutalized women as as young as 12 years old. They've all testified under oath about it, except for the dead Stacy Stites, of course. And she Mm -hmm. cries out from the grave because of the forensic pathology and the semen inside of her. Why are we not focusing on them instead of this absurd victimology and death in the bathtub and Insurance salesman and all this eleventh-hour hail Mary <clears throat> nonsense.
0: I agree. As I said to one, as I said
2: more, as I, as I said to one more than one media outlet, I really expect the next big witness for Rodney to be Mother Teresa appearing via Epiphany. She's going to come in like in a kind of misty cloud and be uh, mm-hmm. videotaped saying she was with Rodney uh, on the night of
0: the killing. Correct. That'll be from right. Sister Helen Prejean.
2: Yeah, having mass, Mother Teresa.
0: Yes. So. And the scary thing is that rape is one of the most underreported crimes. So yeah, we well, have we know about be, six. How many do we not know about?
2: Well, and just to balance that for particular comment, uh, I have. Uh, wife, I have daughters, I have a granddaughter. I certainly and I've prosecuted rape cases in my early career in the Dallas DA's office. I am no apologist for rapists and I certainly uh, agree that there's reasons why women wait to outcry their sexual assaults and there's there's factors that, that we all know contribute to that. At the same time uh, we, we seem to have reached a, an imbalanced. Place in criminal jurisprudence where the accused in a lot of these cases is dismissed if he claims that he's not guilty. And the, the only reason why Rodney Reed has no credibility in that regard is because of the variety of different women over an extended period of time who mm-hmm. have accused him of it. If it was just one, if it was just Stacy Stites, and nobody else and rodney reed had an impeccable reputation we'd all have to be a little more careful about getting the death chamber ready for rodney i agree with that but, correct but his record his record is absolutely overwhelming and you have to be a complete well <laughs> you'd have to be i guess re, re uh, Rihanna and uh Kim Kardashian and Ted Cruz.
0: I think it's more about if it's, if it's, a uh, uh, if you can make the accused seem innocent.
2: Oh, I agree. They have done a wonderful job. it's
0: the accusers who are the, who are the villains.
2: And I'll say something about that too, because I've been disparaging certain politicians that I used to admire, like Cruz. I used to really have a high opinion of that guy until this case. Uh, but there's a there's a state representative who I think resigned or decided not to run again anyways. He's a fine young man from Fort Worth named Matt Rinaldi uh, who's a strong and intelligent conservative man, and he, he has been the lone voice of dissent, at least quoted in the media, about I guess this is how we're going to do post-conviction capital litigation from here on out. We're going to have – uh, public relations campaign headed by Dr. Phil, Oprah, William mm-hmm. you know, and all these other celebrities. Uh, and that to me is the real travesty in this deal. I, I have a very pessimistic outlook on Rodney Reed ever getting the death penalty.
0: I hope I'm we'll on. have to see. I, I felt that way about Larry Swearingen and, and the Fifth Circuit. And- Texas Court of Criminal Appeals uh, did not grant him a stay at the last minute after six prior stays.
2: I happen to believe there's a judge of all the earth that is going to rectify all injustices on the great day. There will be no plea bargaining, no motions to quash, and no uh, technicalities by which guilty men escape their judgment, and that gives me some measure of – Peace and uh, uh, equanimity, I suppose. While we while we yeah. do this job of ours.
0: Yeah. All right, Mr. Phyllis. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a uh, it, privilege. This was very uh, very informative.
2: Well, it's been a delight, and I, I'm glad you waited till nine o'clock for me. I couldn't get on any earlier, and uh hope I've no, been of okay. some value to your ongoing inquiry. I think you're doing a fantastic, Thank- fantastic job.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great night, and I hope you feel better soon.
2: I feel better. I'm starting to feel better just talking to you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>
0: Alrighty, right, bye-bye. All right. That was Robert Phillips.
2: Oh, yes, I really like him.
0: He was he was good.
1: He was very informative, you know, especially, you know, I, my ears kind of perked up a little bit more, you know, when he was talking about the stuff he couldn't talk about. But at the same time, I mean, a lot of the stuff he makes a daggum good point about, a lot of stuff he said and you know why he couldn't that, or, you know, especially the, mm-hmm. you know, the Fifth Amendment stuff, you know? It, it, makes, it, it makes
0: sense. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I knew, I suspected that he probably couldn't really go into any detail because there is, you know, absolute confidentiality between a lawyer and a client. Right. Absent the client waiving that confidentiality and so but i you know i think it was a very informative and his viewpoint on some of the issues that we talked about is you know very common sense he's he's a no-nonsense guy well i wanted to express to him i thought it was wrong on the dr phil show instead of dr phil sitting with him privately and speaking to him privately, Dr. Phil had Bryce Benjet, Kevin Gannon, and Lee Gilbertson on one side and Mr. Phillips on his own on the other. And I thought that was incredibly petty and low class of Dr. Phil. Well, yeah. And they wouldn't let Mr. Phillips really expressed anything. They kept cutting him off, and Dr. Phil, you know, you want to talk goose, we'll talk gander. That's got to be one of the dumbest things I ever heard. Because <laughs> a goose is a male. I think a goose is a male, and a gander is a female, or a vice versa. Goose is a female, gander is a male. I don't remember geese. So, I remember Duck and Drake. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, all right, before I close the program, I want to read something on one of the groups on Facebook uh, that I was invited to join, and um, I want to close before I do my outro, the last final thought for, for now on State of Texas versus Rodney Reed. Stacy Stacey okay. Stites was a beloved daughter. Sister and Christian, whose life was cut short April 23rd, 1996. She was a very happy young woman who was always smiling and laughing, a girl that loved life. Stacy's loved and missed each and every day. She went to work April 23rd, 1996, and was never seen alive by her family again. The man found guilty for kidnapping, raping, beating, and strangling Stacy is serving a death sentence in Texas. And that's what this is about is justice for Stacy and for her family and the people who loved her. All right, Michael. You ready to shut her down?
1: Let's shut her down. I thought you were going to go straight into your outro. That's why I shut up.
0: <laughs> well, no, I I wanted to just pause and and let people reflect on that. Thank Absolutely. you for listening to Clear and Convincing with Lisa O'Brien and Michael Carnahan. If you like our show and want to know more. You can find us on Facebook, go to our blog at clearandconvincingpodcast.wordpress.com, or follow me on Twitter at O'Brien L. Michael and I want to thank Mr. Phillips for taking the time to join us tonight. We will be off next week for Thanksgiving, but we'll be back on Tuesday, December 3rd, 2019, at 8 o'clock p.m. Central for Episode 40, State of California versus Stanley Tukey-Williams. In February and March 1979, Williams killed four people in two armed robberies in the Los Angeles area. Williams, a Louisiana native, grew up in south-central Los Angeles and was a founding member of the Crips gang. Although he had denied involvement in the murders, he was convicted and sentenced to death by a jury in 1981. We'll talk about the case against Williams, his direct appeal and post-conviction claims, his writing career while in prison, and the controversy surrounding his execution on December 13, 2005. Until then, have a great week, a happy Thanksgiving, if you're in the U.S., and stay safe. Good night.